And welcome back to Sex with Tofa. It is the alleged spawn of Satan himself here. I know I've been away for a while and I apologise. Um, it's been a bit of an amalgamation of both um, quarantine and having technical issues with a microphone. So on attempt number 176, I'm here, I'm back. So I wanted to just jump straight in. I have had a very interesting two weeks. Um, for those of you that don't follow me on social media and stuff, I was asked um, over a month ago now by a production company that work with Channel 4. Now, they wanted to do a film for me called Love in Lockdown, and we were initially going to be filming me. They were going to come and film me. But then we obviously couldn't do that with the lockdown and, you know, self, self-distancing self and whatever. Anyway, to cut a long story short, they sent me the camera equipment. They said, right, we're going to direct you remotely, you know, just make sure you're getting the right frames and stuff and giving us the right footage so we can edit it. But we want you to film yourself for 24 hours and talk about, like, you know, surviving lockdown as a sexual person. So I was like, yeah, of course. Like, are you paying me? (laughs) They did. But yeah, so I spoke all day about, you know, positive sexual practices, you know, ways to keep yourself entertained. I filmed myself discussing pretty much every single sex toy that I own. And then I also filmed myself getting ready to have cyber sex in the evening with someone that I know quite well. So um the film got I'm, I'm not going to blame Ed's thing because I'm not going to be that person but let's just say that the film was cropped and the film was just basically me spending all day kind of on dating apps which I downloaded for the um for the documentary I downloaded it to show that people are still trying to meet so I was trying to show an alternative like rather than actually meeting here's something you can be doing instead so it got edited and yeah it's just pretty much my day getting ready for cyber sex in the evening and you know, it originally got uploaded on a Thursday evening at half past nine and, you know, it exploded very fast. I mean, I'm talking, I clicked on it because I knew the exact time they were uploading it. Of course I would because it's me. And within like two minutes, it had like 2,000 views, 10,000 views, 30,000 views, 50,000 views. And then I made the rookie mistake of on the original upload of reading the comments. And yeah, that was obviously a stupid idea. Like I'm tough. I can handle a lot of shit, and I have, but it was harsh. Like, there was a lot of um, insanely sweeping judgments being made about me. Like, I'm disgusting, I must hate myself, my parents must be so disgusted by me. And it's like, well, first of all, I'm 30, so I don't know why everyone was so interested in disgusting my parents. Um, Who, by the way, don't give a shit and haven't watched it and won't watch it. Um, um, It was like a mixed bag, really. There was a lot of positivity, there was a lot of people fighting and defending me. So anyway... It got uploaded, and this was, like I said, at half past nine. So by about five in the morning, because I woke up, it had 330,000 views. And I was like, oh, my God. And the comments were absolute, like, from one extreme to the other. It was, like, extreme love for me, extreme hate. There was homophobia. There was prudishness. There was people saying, oh, yeah, he may not be spreading COVID-19, but he certainly is spreading HIV. And it's like, oh, wow, okay, so that's a... We're jumping straight in there, aren't we? <laughs> like, bear in mind, like, I'm the face of so much self-testing and HIV awareness. Like, I'm, I think I've tested on camera about 150 times. I've, anyway, besides the point. So, the video actually got deleted. So, it got censored by Facebook. So, I got an email at nine o'clock in the morning from the production company being like, you need to stop arguing with people in the comments because Channel 4 aren't going to like that. And I was like, okay, well, that's fair enough. Like, 
it's it could technically be brand damaging because when I go for someone like I go, <laughs> I know where the jugular is. Um, yeah, so it got deleted. I had my first video removed from the internet for censorship, so I feel a bit like Madonna right now. So this was the Thursday in the Friday morning. Sorry. So then they re-uploaded again on the Saturday night at half past nine, and it went fucking insane. Excuse my language. I mean, I didn't read the comments this time around, and I definitely won't be reading the comments. But the views now, like we're just over a week later, and the views are at two million one hundred thousand. So 2.1 million people have seen me getting ready for cybersex and then seen me filming this guy. <laughs> like, and yeah, the, the, if you see the video, it's on Channel 4's Facebook page. You've got to log in though, because it's 18 plus. Um, it's kind of innocent, really. I mean, for me, I can be very vulgar, but I was, bit, I was purposely trying to be quite educational and just chatty. Like, I didn't want to be like, I love men, which I do, consensually and safely, of course. But it, yeah, it's very um, polarized. Let's put it that way. So, just the, the thing that interests me about it, because me, I'm, I'm fascinated by the psychology around, like, that surrounds sex, sexuality, and people's perceptions of people of sex, and so, yeah, like the comment, like I think of the few standout ones to me. It's just basically people like psychoanalyzing me, saying that I must not have been loved as a child. I must have been molested. Um, I, I hate myself. I, I. I get my self-love from the sexual attention from men. Like, don't get me wrong. I really do like getting attention from boys. I mean, who doesn't in my case, like in my position, but no. And why is that always the jugular? Like I'm actually, I interviewed um, Mistress Evelyn, who we're going to be talking about in a moment. And you'll be hearing the interview. And she mentioned it. Like when you're someone who is seen as sexual or you're a sex educator or you're a sex worker or you work in our industry, people are very quick to label you with the damaged label and I can't bear that because it's so not so much that it offends me because I'm not offended by the opinion of like Sharon from Penge or you know Lydia from fucking Wisconsin but it's that I can't defend myself and I don't like being misunderstood and I think that I'm quite a clear communicator so when I'm misunderstood or people make sweeping judgments about me it makes me angry but I promised the production company that I wouldn't argue so I'm not going to do that but there were just a few things I would like to point out and discuss. Just quickly, I'm not going to be like preaching. So the person that I did or I had cyber sex with and who I do know well is a black man. He's just a man who happens to be black. And you, yeah, I mean, I, I guess as a Caucasian person, my privilege again is showing here. I didn't think that was anything to even be aware of. Like, it's just someone I shag. Like, and here he is doing webcam sex with me because we can't meet. But... There was one comment in particular that really fucked me off. And it was from someone who was a Donald Trump supporter, of course. And their profile picture said like pro-Trump or something. And she described his skin as filthy. And I just think it's so despicable. And I feel guilty that I am the vehicle for that racism. And I didn't even think about it. Like I didn't, it's just like, I don't know, maybe it's because I am the way I am. And I've lived in London my whole life. And like, I've got mixed friends, everything that... I didn't realise there would be such a um, reaction to the fact that he was black and that was disgusted me. And luckily he's tough. Like, he's a strong guy. He doesn't care about people's thoughts. But I do for him because I want to protect him because it's someone that I like. Like, it's a good friend of mine, someone I trust. But yeah, I mean, I did get a bit of a battering. Let's put it that way. But there's also so much love. Like, I've had so many emails now through the website. People like asking me for sex tips, young guys looking for advice and guidance, which I've been replying to. Like, it's taken me a lot longer 
because there's a lot more messages than usual, but I'm getting there. Um, but yeah, I got I got hammered, but I can take it. Don't I always take it well? <laughs> and it's this, um, there's a comedian who I love and like we follow each other on Twitter. She's called Ava Vidal. And she, look her up, by the way, if you haven't. She's fascinating. She's the funniest person on Twitter. So we have a little bit of a Twitter friendship and she's tweeted something to me when I discussed people saying that I had AIDS because of this video. And she tweeted me saying, um, gay men are only really accepted into mainstream when they're deemed to be asexual or the camp friend that's there to pick up the pieces. And that's so true. I think that the most alarming thing for a lot of people who aren't around us, because my circle is quite queer, it's quite sexual. Like a lot of my friends are sex workers. A lot of my friends are very colourful, crazy people. Like I'm, I'm, my friends are a real mixed bag and they're mostly straight, believe it or not. But seeing someone so unapologetically sexual and explaining things in a clear and concise way, I think it fucks with people's heads. But like, I'm not trying to be corny here or like give out a tagline, but I I have no apologies for who I am. And I never have. Like I've done my time, you know, I've done my time. I got bullied, you know, I've been beaten up, I've been attacked, I've been assaulted, I've been robbed countless times, (laughs) but I've done it. I've got all the the negativity out of my system. I don't really have much self-doubt and I certainly don't hate myself. I'm quite fond of myself, really. I don't think I'm the best thing walking, but I'm happy with me. Like, I like myself. Um, But it's this idea of, like, when you are overtly sexual as a gay man or a queer man or however however you identify, if it's not the norm, if you don't fit, you know, the the stereotypical idea of a standard day-to-day person that you should be driven underground. And I'm just going to say here, like, loud and clear, and if you're listening to this, you want to record me, I do not care. You will never drive me underground. If you kill me, perhaps, in a box, I don't want to be buried, though I want to be cremated, but you will never drive someone like me underground. Um, Like, I have an overactive self-esteem gland. (laughs) Let's, Let's put it that way. And I just would like to end that little segment by saying I'm here. I'm queer and I'm a fucking success, baby. Any reasons to check your status? With a BioSure HIV self-test, it really has never been easier. Taking control and knowing your status is simple. Test where you want, when you want, and with who you want. Your easy-to-read result is ready in just a few minutes. No waiting, no fuss, no HIV test is easier. Order your BioSure HIV self-test today. It's delivered next day in discreet packaging and fits through your letterbox. Or pick up in your local Boots or Superdrug pharmacy. Visit hivselftest.co.uk and be sure, be BioSure. hivselftest.co.uk Okay, and also to make sure you are staying involved with me and my podcast, um, you can follow me on Instagram using at Taylor T-O-P-H-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R. Or you can follow me on Twitter, hello, I am Topher. That's just if you want to stay involved with the podcast. And we have the podcast pages, which are Sex with Topher. Or you can visit topher.taylor.co.uk. Anyway, now we've got that out of the way, I am extremely excited about my guest today. This is very exciting for me because it takes me back to my old days of working in the sex shop when I was 18. We have a female dominatrix coming, a femdom. I will be speaking to the iconic Mistress Evelyn. Mistress Evelyn is amazing. We met last year when we both filmed for a Channel 5 television show about sex toys and we kind of just kicked it off. I like strong women. I love unapologetically sexual, educated women. So we will be talking everything from, you know, how she got into it to the extremes that she goes, what she fantasizes about, like how her life took her there. And one point that really I'm interested in you guys hearing about, because I was really squeamish about it. I don't like it. And personally, she does scat domination, which is like toilet poo. 
So we're going to be discussing that and I'm excited for you to hear that. And then afterwards you'll be asking the same as me, who is the shit eater that you know? You'll understand what I mean when you listen to the interview, but I just need to let you know, obviously because of the social distancing, yada, 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 we couldn't be in the same room. So the interview has been done over the internet. So if the sound quality isn't the best, I do apologize. We're going to do everything we can to clear it up. But yeah, coming up next is me speaking to Mistress Evelyn. Okay, hello and welcome to Sex with Tofa. Um, I'm sure that's where everyone wants to be right now. You're very lucky. <laughs> I feel so privileged. <laughs> so to the listeners who perhaps don't know who you are and how dare they, tell us who Mistress Evelyn is. So I am a dominatrix in based in London. Um, I've been around for about seven years now. Um, I'm also a sex educator, um, very active nice. on the femdom scene, co-organizer of the femdom ball, which is the uh, yearly event that we organize, a sort of gala event for female dominance from around the world. Amazing. And how should I address you? Uh, you can address me as Evelyn. Evelyn, oh, perfect. Okay, so or let's start for my friends. Eve, Eve, okay, I'm going to decide that I'm a friend because I'm a beg. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so let, let's think of like your standard day-to-day person. When they think of a dominatrix, it's a very stereotypical idea of a woman in a cat suit and a whip. Like what, what does like dominating people mean to you and what does it represent for you? Ooh, um, so I am a professional dominatrix. So what that means is essentially I'll be nasty for money. Um, <laughs> lots of different ways to be a dominatrix. Um, like for anything sexual, you can do it for a laugh here and there you can really take it very seriously and make your life all around it or you can do it as a job and I am the latter so I, I am very dominant as a personality I've always been a bit of an alpha female yeah very 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 scary to a lot of men um, and then one day when I realized why I was scary to lots of men I just embraced it and um but yeah, the dominatrix part, so the cat suits, the slaves, all the kink is much more of a job to me, although I am active on the scene and I do enjoy going to kinky events as well. Nice. OK, so you got into it seven years ago, is that right? That's correct. And um, what has it done for you sexually in that time? Like, have you have you seen a development within yourself? Has it changed the way you looked at sex and sexuality or um yeah it's really really changed a lot um I don't know how much of it is to do with it being domination and how much of it to do is to do with me going into sex work but um through being a professional dominatrix I have more than anything learned about what I like Mm -hmm. and about boundaries um when I meet people now um you know potential lovers one of the things that always surprises them the most is that I really know what I want yeah and I'm not scared to talk about it and you know I really enjoy having proper discussions with people about what you're into what I'm into what you might be into but not sure what I might be into but not sure what are your limits what are my limits and really opening up this conversation and that I think is one of the biggest things that I got from this yeah I think that's one of the sexiest things isn't it when you like someone and you can communicate clearly and especially Mm -hmm. if you're a very like I'm the same I'm quite dominant so it's like I even though like I usually take the penis I still like to be in charge like I say like topping from the bottom 
absolutely yeah (laughs) but I get there through communication like I say communication so much that it makes me feel sick now but (laughs) (laughs) that's what it's all about and yeah um, yeah, I think I think you know also one of the great things that my job has given me is because I got to play act at being a sexual being so much yeah um, I can just switch it on now at the flick of a finger yeah um and does that benefit you like in your personal life outside of the work side like is do you switch that on in your personal sexual situations or is it something you try to keep like a, a line between your work persona and who you are in the bedroom I definitely use it in the bedroom I mean it's great um, <laughs> I'm glad you know I can just I can just go straight into my most sexy tone of voice my most sexy facial expressions and everything and just really turn it on and I can just switch into that with such ease yeah. um and I think that's that's something that you only get through being sexual a lot Yes, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. and, and what is the biggest misconception about you because of your line of work? That the one thing that really gets up your ass and not in the good way. <laughs> that I'm a man hater. That's the classic. Okay. Yeah. Oh, if yeah, you're a dominatrix, you must be a man hater. So what it what does it mean to you? Like what? What does what mean? What they say like, or what I really like, am? Like what you really are, like as opposed to the idea of being a man hater. Um, I'm actually, before anything, I'm a service provider. I do stuff that people want me to do to them. Um, you know, so the man hater thing really is ridiculous because it's not like I am getting paid to then just ruin people and break them and I get to do what I want and it's Mm. all about just making them bleed and making them suffer. Um, most of what I do, I mean, you know there are mistresses who do lots of different types of things but nowadays the majority of what I do is sitting on people's faces and wanking them in a nasty way um <laughs> so yeah it's really it's really not that not that man hating at all I think they're getting a lot more from it than they're getting uh, in pleasure than they're getting in pain yeah so yeah um but I think my job is to provide for people's needs of submission yeah yeah because I, I was reading the um on your website like testimonials I did a real like stalk of you oh did you I was, yeah no I, I think lots to read you must have been kept busy yeah I love I know I was I was reading for ages and one of my friends I explained to her and she's fascinated and she's like oh my gosh I've got so many questions for her and I'm like well let me let me do this <laughs> when it's all over we can go for lunch yeah definitely I'd love to I've been saying this I'm such a I think I, I feel so um excited around like femdoms because when I started working in sex shops when I was 18 the first people that really taught me about mm. sex sex education were the femdoms oh. and it was because I knew of I knew about like bish bash bosh you know penetration blowjobs but I never mm. had someone sit me down and say no you assess someone's needs you have it like communication you talk about boundaries and didn't know what a safe word was I thought that was some sort of mm-hmm. t- tv show <laughs> And I, I got my education from the girl and it was the girls you were based in Earl's Court and in King's Cross. And a couple of them were still left in Soho. Mm. And then, yeah, just because that's where that's why I think I've got this soft spot for all the femdoms. Like, I feel almost like, uh-huh. oh, please. I do. I just love it. And I, I'm, I'm drawn to it. And I'm drawn to the power and the and unapologetic sexuality. Have you ever dressed up as a woman to be a dom? Have you ever tried it? I've I've not dressed as a woman, but I've I've done my gender bending, you know. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've you definitely. Would you like to try being a femdom one day? 
definitely i think I'll i can see the club pedestal yeah <laughs> no i well, mean i, I make kind of... you up do you do you up from head to toe put you in some fake boobs and everything yeah see that i think that would annoy me i think the silicone would annoy my skin i like <laughs> i always have my i do my own little version of it um and like obviously like we've been in lockdown now i mean i've been in for eight weeks how long have you been same um, yeah, I... about, about eight or nine weeks i i started my lockdown a week before yeah, my housemate did because she's got severe asthma. So it's just a case yeah. like we, we were just looking after her. And how obviously it's affected the physical side of your work. How has it affected like the digital, like your online presence, etc.? Um, so I've always been very present online. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's affected it very much. Um, it's just made me decide to switch that to my main source of income yeah um because I was already present online it's made that really easy I think there are a lot of people who had very little online presence um who are really suffering right now because they're having to build it up from scratch yeah um whereas I already had a lot of content I'm known online um so yeah for me it was just choosing right this is my main source of income rather than my secondary source of income now yeah so it's good that you did the groundwork mm. which is a good bit of advice for anyone listening to this I guess yeah, just always think fingers in many pies whenever you become self-employed. And this, yeah, this goes for any self-employment. Do not rely on one single source of income. Yeah, no eggs in one basket. Spread them out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been known to spread my eggs out. <laughs> oh, don't we all, darling? <laughs> and like, and one thing I was thinking about when I was reading the testimonials is your relationships with, like, say you have subs or like mm-hmm. men that really do worship you and they adore you and they come to you. Is that relationship situational? Like, do you put it into your shifts with them or that they're, they're paid for timescales or do you have long term relationships with subs? And it, and it... I, I have certain favorite clients. Yeah. Um, I actually did a blog post about that. Just I think it was yesterday or the day before um, it, giving people advice on how to become a favorite client. Yeah, I saw the header um, of that one. Yeah. And um, so I do I do have a few favorite clients who are people who I absolutely adore and who I keep boundaries with because we have a professional relationship. So there are are people who I would really choose to have in my personal life, who I love their company, who we have a lot in common, um, and therefore I have a more personal relationship with them than I would with my normal clients, for whom it's very much, this is the time you paid for, this is what you get. Um, But at the same time, yeah, I still I still keep a small distance with them because I truly believe that you've got to keep that professional relationship going. Yeah. You've still got to keep that boundary. You know, if they met me through work, unfortunately, it's always going to stay a work thing yeah. um, because that's a dynamic that's been set up. And if we tried to change that, it would probably be catastrophic, actually. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask you. Like, has there been an occasion where that has the lines of blurred? Oh, in the past, yeah. Yeah, I can yeah, imagine. Yeah. It is, I imagine. This is from experience that I'm yeah, talking. That's what I thought. It must be like an early day thing, like, you know, trial and error. Like, oh, I'm no, not going to do that again. Because I think, yeah, that must, when, especially with, uh, if you're, it's like a femdom, like, I guess it's some, like, almost like a role model that like, you need the approval of to kind of, is, is that is that the way that those, these guys look at it, do you think? Or is it, uh, or is it purely it's, sexual? Um, there's this weird thing where, obviously, this is why I think it really can't work just fully accepting them into your life because you are a fantasy this is what I do I sell myself as a fantasy figure the fantasy figure is not 
me. It is me, but it isn't. It's me minus all the defects. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's the best version of me that I could never be on a day to day basis because I get my periods, because I get ill, because I'm tired, because I'm grumpy, because someone, you know, someone looked at me the wrong way on the tube, whatever it is. And sometimes I get needy and all these things that are just very unfemdom and unrestrained. Um, you know, and as a dominatrix, like what they really want is for you to be the dominatrix all the time, you know. That's why they pay so much, because you are always at your best and switched on and looking amazing and you know, in in dominatrix mode. And to be honest, if you show people too much of the non um oh god, I'm losing my words, the the non-fantasy stuff, they won't be interested anymore because then yeah. you just become that girl next door. You, you know, I know loads and loads of my clients who have really dominant wives, and yet they go and see a professional dominatrix. Yeah, because they've I, lost the Yeah, because their wife is dominant but not in the sexy way. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can. Oh gosh, I never thought of it that way. That's, that's I, made my brain go boom. Yeah, 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 and I've ended up dating. Um, so I for a while I dated a guy who he wasn't my client, but he was from the scene. So he was sort of you know hangs around pro doms, goes to the events, you know, has been a client for doms, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and it was really interesting because he clearly, you know, he fetishized the dominant woman, um, right? And he had all these ideas, you know, he really when we first met it was all like oh, I love intelligent strong independent women blah 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 blah. yeah and then the reality of a dominant woman you know I remember when I when I finally broke up with him um you know his first retort to to it was well you're always telling me to put the spoon on the side of the sink I was like well you're in my fucking house <laughs> you know and it's but, like this is yeah. what it is I'm a dominant woman you are in my territory you do and I said to him you do what I want if you want to put the spoon on the edge of the fucking sink do it in your house I love that yes and that's not sexy <laughs> but that is dominant yeah so it's when when it it's like the lines start to blur isn't it you, yeah. you can't have you can't have the good yeah no I get it that I was I, I was thinking about that earlier because again there must be times when these, like you become I can identify of it on a level because I've had people kind of fetishize my image when I dress up a certain way mm-hmm. and then when they when they kind of see you the next day you know you're wearing jogging bottoms and the vest and it's not quite the same it's like mm-hmm. well, it's, it's, I'm not going to be walking around with seven inch fucking platforms all day mate not when yeah, I'm making my tofu don't, they don't understand you know and um one of the things that I love about hanging out with other dominatrices is that you know whenever you go for lunch there's always one who's tarted up to the nines because she's just been at a photo shoot or doing a session or something yeah. and then the other one who's in her tracky bottoms hasn't even <laughs> brushed her hair no makeup at all you know there's these two women one of whom looks like she's straight out of a magazine and the other one who looks like absolute shit like she's just come out of Argos um, <laughs> you know having lunch together somewhere yeah oh I love that I want to go to those lunches Please, can I come to a lunch? Oh, I'll invite you. I'll invite you to lots of lunches. All my friends will adore you. No, I, no, seriously. I think you'll, the, be, you'll the, be little pets. Oh, I, no, please, I volunteer. No, I love it. I just, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I love strong women. I always have. All my, all my female friends are very strong, dominant mm-hmm. girls, and I love it. And like, the, if I have problems in my life, I turn to strong women. Like, my dad's a very tough guy, but like, you know, there's a kind of that emotional thing of like, I'm very masculine man, and like me, the mm-hmm. big rave, raving pifter. 
So it was like, I love strong girls. And that's one thing I wanted to address, actually, and I'm glad you brought it up, is the the family vibe within the femdom scene. Yeah. And there's so much positive. I mean, obviously, you can't come across negative or anything on social media, but there's so much positive interaction between you all and supporting each other's content. And what does that feel like? Because to me, from the outside perspective, it's like you have this like safety net. It's like these girls are going to pick you up if you fall down. Yeah, well, that's that's really interesting because it's something that I think is not just exclusive to the femdom scene. You know, it's it's something that you kind of see with strippers, but not as much. You don't really see with escorts. You you don't really see in the porn industry. I think a lot of other sex work is very lonely. Yeah. But in the femdom scene and this is the interesting thing, not just in the femdom scene, in the British femdom scene, because when we have women visit us from other countries, they're really surprised at the community we have. Although yeah. we're starting to like encourage women from other countries to kind of create that, which is what the femdom ball's about. Um, we, we really do have a really, really, really strong community. Of course, there were rifts, there were a few cliques, um, you know, there's, there's, um, there's politics like in any community and people yeah. fall out and what have you. But overall we you know in the uk scene we all know each other we all communicate we all hang out work together support each other cross promote each other help each other out um you know when when someone hits dire straits everyone's there instantly to support them financially as well yeah that's Um, amazing because that's one thing i I see so much of you, you all sharing each other's content and, it's and we so educate good. each other as well. I love that. So, you know, if yeah. someone doesn't really know much about something, there's always someone else who's there to do a sort of a, a, a skill share or something like that as well. Yeah. So, like, speaking of content, like, you are prevalent on OnlyFans. You're in the top, mm-hmm. what percent? Two percent? Am I right? Or... That's amazing. That's incredible. Because considering how many people are doing it now, that's incredible. How has content sharing changed for you? Because I know there are videos of, when I was doing my stalk, I found, like, mm-hmm. pre and obviously seven years into the game. How have you seen that the, the online media side of it change and how has that changed your work? Um, so OnlyFans is much more personal. So there are lots of people who don't know what it's about because obviously everything's behind a paywall. But mm-hmm. it's basically like twit- like a Twitter feed that you're paying to subscribe to. Um, and you can DM that person and interact with them. And so it's it's very much like having a long distance relationship with someone. Like it's not yeah. just seeing videos posted on the feed it's also real interaction um and I think that's what's so special about it and it's very different from in the old days when it just used to be filming videos popping them up on a website and you see when you get sales yeah yeah who I've got followers who I interact with who I get to know who um you know who I I do I develop a relationship with them that's great that's a really really nice thing and for me particularly it works a lot better than just making clips and uploading them to a shop um i i really enjoy the social media type style of it um i'm a bit of a twitter fiend so yeah no you may i love you on twitter i love (laughs) i like it even today i was laughing at some of the trump stuff but we won't won't be talking about that Um, a big shit poster i love (laughs) it that was my prison name So like I think like with um with femdoms as opposed to escorts and porn stars like to have that interaction to have that like kind of person like to be able to DM there must be a big like intake for that because mm. I guess because I think as opposed to a porn star you know you just if if I'm thinking from the perspective of someone who's signed up who's paid for the content 
you know, if I'm signing up for a porn star, it's just, you know, you, you want to see the sexy pics, you know, you want to wank to a few videos, maybe tune into a live stream. I think perhaps with a femdom, do guys take a lot of advantage of like direct, direct messaging you just for yeah. chats or is that noise? I think, I think with the porn stars as well, you know, I look at um, someone like Rebecca Moore, who I think yeah. you know. Yeah, and lovely. She, is, she was the first person I chatted to. Yeah, she is killing it on OnlyFans way more than I am. Um, like she's, you know, she's really, really doing it very, very well. And she's on it nonstop. And I think, you know, she is definitely about interactivity. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think someone who subscribed to her, you know, that would be that would be a thrill because it's not just wanking over someone. It's developing a relationship with a person you wank over. Yeah. Um, and she like again, like you, like I know her person, like she's a she's a lovely person. She's mm-hmm. a very but she's very intuitive. And yeah. she can like she walks into a room. We went to an event for the Tom of Finland gallery launch uh, just a few weeks before lockdown. Mm. And she, I watched her play that room. She knew who to interact with, who to oh. say hello. It was it was like watching just like those like cheesy like anecdotes about old film stars. Like, oh, they knew how to work a room. She I was watching her. It was like it was like watching the cogs turning. Yeah. She just knew where to stand, who to pose with. It was just smart. She's a smart cookie. She's someone I really yeah. want to meet. Um, I've, I've got a huge respect for her. Yeah, she's, we should do like, a, when this is all over, I cannot wait for this to be over. We should all do just like a, like a chaotic night out, something really like cheesy, like something Absolutely. hideous, hideous and tacky, like yes. me. <laughs> okay, so going back to the actual work itself and the services you provide. Hey, yeah, there's a pussy on it. Oh my God. Ooh. Hey, I love that. <laughs> because when I was interviewing Rebecca, there's a dog running around. You can hear the feet going like, it's really, it's really cute. And it's good. It makes it real. This is what this is all about. So like the set, like when you think of what, like seven years ago, when you went into it professionally, have your services changed or did you have a very clear idea? Yeah. So like, what is that? That's like, what is the progression like? And where did you begin? And how did you get to where you are now? So um, when I started, I I knew nothing about BDSM. I was literally the, what they call an insta-dom, uh, which is this random girl on the street who's like, I'm going to be a dominatrix. Yeah, and that's me. That's me on the weekends. <laughs> oh, that's totally what I did. So I knew nothing about it. And I was all about just beating guys up and kicking guys in the balls because it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was the antithesis of sexual. Um, and then, <laughs> you know, I, I was in total denial that it was sex work, essentially. I hadn't even considered the, you know, the thing of it being sex work and all of that. It was just, I don't know how to explain it. I was just, I was so naive, had no clue, just threw myself into it because it was like, I could do that. I could kick men in the balls. I'm really good at it. Um, And yeah, and then bit by bit. So, you know, for a long time, I was, I was a real sadist. Um, And, you know, part of that was just, childhood trauma and stuff that I was kind of getting out through yeah. being a saint. So it was like it was like a space for me to um to explore power dynamics and to explore um my my need for suffering in other people or even my own suffering in the past. Yeah. Um and once I'd got all that out of my system, which took about two years, yeah. I'd say, um, I just started bit by bit rediscovering myself sexually um and as I reconnected with my libido and um you know just started having a sex life again because I'd gone through a period of just being totally asexual um 
I started also connecting it with sex work and not feeling the shame anymore about being a sexual person because there's a lot of hierarchy within femdom you know and whorephobia this idea that you can't be sexual you can't show your tits you can't be naked you can't sleep with your clients you can't do this you can't do that um yeah. and you know people were saying that to me when I started and I, I I believed everything because these were people who were really established and who knew what they were talking about it's like oh my god you know um yeah. and I was being sex shamed like when I was a teenager and my friends hosted an intervention for me because they thought I was sleeping <laughs> with too many boys um that's about it, to happen to me don't worry <laughs> oh you know and it was it was so bad and it shamed me and I was just so scared of you know people judging me for being overly sexual or anything um but then I got to a point where yeah about two two and a half three years in I was just like fuck it yeah fuck it fuck it fuck it, I'm going to do what I want. I am feeling horny. You know, and I remember, I remember to this day, that first time when I got really horny in a session and the guy was all tied up and I was like, I'm going to sit on your face and I want you to make me come. Amazing. <laughs> and it felt, it did, it felt amazing. That's exactly yeah. the word. And it felt so empowering. And that was just the start of me connecting with myself sexually in a way that I never had before. And it's just gone from strength to strength from there. And the result now is that I'm a actually, I'd say hypersensual dominatrix. A lot of my work is around teasing, around, um, you know, really, really creating a desire in men. Um, and yeah a lot of sexual stuff I do a lot of edging orgasm denial all of that kind yeah, of stuff yeah I saw, I saw edging is one of your favorite one of your like most popular <laughs> interests yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it so much fun um I do a lot with partners too yeah. um and yeah and you know since I don't know I just I love that I love that I I've come on such a journey through this job and a journey of self-discovery as well as at the at the same time um evolving within my persona of mistress evelyn yeah i love yeah. it you know, you know so when i started my my um my tagline was upper class english dominatrix <laughs> and now everywhere it's mistress evelyn embrace the field oh my god mine would be like upper ass dominatrix <laughs> that would be me <laughs> but you said something at the beginning of that that i found really interesting and it's just reminded me of something i read last week so not to make it about me, but just as a reference point. So I, I did this little mini documentary that came out on Channel 4. Mm. And such a, there was a very intense, you can imagine the kind of comments that people get, like on, yeah. on, on any edge of our industry, you know, on any extreme, you know, I'm damaged because of my childhood. I wasn't loved enough. And mm. you, you've just kind of made something go ding in me when you said about how you use it to, you used it to overcome those feelings of shame because that you get from trauma and I I did too and mine was through um like under like accepting myself as a sexual person which took a while yeah because of those feelings of shame I had as a child and embarrassment and this is wrong and you know I'm Roman Catholic I shouldn't be a big old like faggot and mm -hmm. you know and then but I, I love hearing that that helped you overcome that because I think that so many people see it and are so dismissive of of um, adult work on any or sex work on any capacity as you know a damaged child looking for well, you're making yeah. a very good point there which is this yeah this whole correlation between the sex industry in general 
and um, damage, right? And yeah. obviously, people from within the sex industry are so keen to prove to the world we're not damaged, we're not damaged, we're not damaged. You know, oh, every I remember there was this study that came out that BDSM people are more balanced and less prone to depression, and everyone's like, oh my god, you know, sharing it like crazy. This is proof. This is proof that we're we're good yeah. people. And I don't I don't think that's the right discussion. I think the discussion shouldn't be in people who are into BDSM or people in the sex industry being damaged. I think the real conversation should be about everyone is damaged. Yeah. You know, it's you go into I've worked I've worked in kitchens, I've worked in bars and I've worked in offices. And I imagine it must seem higher pressure in the kitchen than the dungeon. Yeah, but in all <laughs> of those environments, every single person was incredibly damaged. Yeah. The vast majority of people are damaged. You know, there are very, very, very few people who have had perfect childhoods that have, you know, where they had two really, really amazing parents who were supportive and loving, a supportive and loving greater family, as well as no trauma. That just barely exists because life happens. Yeah, no, I think that that just totally like made something in my brain just go ding. And it's so nice to hear such a positive spin on it. Because even like I, like I'm guilty. I mean, I, I read so much. I'm, I'm obsessed with reading about sex work and I'm, I shouldn't do it, but I do read comments mm. because I've always been interested in the PR angle and how do people perceive it. So how can I then change my writing or shape my writing to get into their small minds, you mm. know, and kind of, you know, slow, because I've always been like a drip feeder. I'm not like an ag- aggressive queer person. I'm the person who will sit, I will sit with the most homophobic in the person in the room and drip feed I'm a normal person. I'm a good person. Uh, not not in the need to prove myself. In the need no, to. No, actually, but I get why. Have you read um, How to Make Friends and Influence People? No, but you know how well, many people have told to me read to read that, that book. Make that your next book yeah, because everyone... that will be a huge aid to you yeah. in changing people's minds. It's literally the guidebook on how to talk to someone in a way that will make them listen. Yeah, because so many people said to me, like, you should read that. It's totally up your alley. I'm like, I'll get around. I've got like 150 books I haven't read yet. So, and yours are all color coordinated, by the way. I well, appreciate no, that. This is right here is my bookshelf. Uh, of, so, this is the books that I haven't read yet. Oh, uh, okay. And the ones on the, the color coordinated ones are the ones you all have. the ones I haven't read. I love that. That's so satisfying. That makes it even more satisfying to look at than the color. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so going back to the services. So, uh-huh. I was, I'm, I'm looking at this on a totally surface level. Let's say I'm a punter you know, curious yeah. and, and like, so your areas of interest that you highlight yourself are cuckolding, edging, and then being the scat mistress. Yeah. Which, which is obviously, I think the most like, I guess, what? Like, I mean, I have an understanding of it on a very surface level because of the industry. So mm-hmm. what, so let's say the person listens to this podcast right now, they have no, they've heard the word scat. They probably watched South. Scat man, yeah. Do, 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 do. I love that song sponsored by Scatman. Um, <laughs> So what is a scat mistress to the, to the innocent listener right now who won't okay. be innocent in a moment? <laughs> um, so I, I do what's called toilet training. So there are, you wouldn't believe the amount of people who are into poo stuff. Yeah, I can um, imagine. But I can imagine the people listening to this thing. Because bodily functions are so taboo in this country. People mm-hmm. don't talk about it. Someone, you know, I was brought up in France where as a kid, you say, I'm going for a pee-pee or I'm going for a poo-poo. You don't say I'm going to the toilet. You say what you're going to do in the toilet. Yeah. 
And English people just couldn't imagine that. You know, I know I know people who can't go for a poo if there's someone else in the house. Um, Anal retentive. Yeah. And um, so there's just this obsession with poo in this country. And so many people are really sexually aroused by poo as a result of it just being something really taboo you know forbidden fruit forbidden fruit syndrome isn't it yeah 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 um and then obviously england you know within within the bds obviously different countries have different things that they're really about in bdsm um right um so like findom is a very popular one in america with the whole like loser thing um in the uk humiliation is a really big one Right. Um, and scat and humiliation go side by side. So the idea is that um, I will sit on pretty much a toilet seat on legs and they lie under me and I poo in their mouth and then make them eat my poo. And the concept is they are objectified. Like so the classic thing is you see a mistress, you know, sitting on a man who's on all fours. He's objectified as a chair yeah. or putting out a cigarette on his tongue he's objectified as an ashtray i objectify them as toilets yeah so there's this duality in there of like the extreme humiliation of it all um of the objectification of the shit of you know being made to eat this thing which i've never tasted shit but i can tell you from how people react that it's not nice yeah i can imagine (laughs) see this this is a again like it probably is a british thing like i i am so funny about toilet humor and farting and stuff that when my ex would fart i'd be like fuck's sake i don't want to smell your asshole go away Um, from me but anyway, the second, yeah, the second part of this is the yeah. the intimacy of it, right? Specifically because it's something yes. that's never done together. Like in England, you know, um, you you'll never see another person poo in your life, probably. It's something that's so private. So because it's so private, specifically sharing that with someone is incredibly intimate. And for a lot of people who come to see service providers, you know, of any sort, what they're craving deep down is intimacy. Yeah. Often people who see service providers, uh, you know, don't have a part. You know, we think we think that it's like husbands cheating on their wives. But often it's people who actually don't have a partner and they get horny and they're like, oh, I'd really like to see someone. But, you know, the, the thing they really, 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 really want is intimacy. Yeah. And it's nothing more intimate, funnily enough, um, than opening your mouth and receiving a big, large dollop of shit in it. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you like how did you progress was that something you'd always planned to do like what was the stepping stones if you, i mean if this isn't too personal like how did you how did you get to that I stage I'm no, but, no, but i mean I, I just i don't want to like psychoanalyze i'm just curious oh, because yes. i i think it's fascinating and i think it's it's such a taboo and like even like i said to me like for me i have no toilet humor so for me it's an absolute outside of my realm so that's why yeah. i'm interested i would just want to know because oh, i okay everything yeah. tell me like what was the first time like what what was the progression into it like mm-hmm. where did it come from okay so uh when i first became a dominatrix so it all happened uh through this guy that i met on gumtree who said he would help me get started oh, uh, good old gumtree. dominatrices forever um yeah it was really really skint and i tried selling my knickers online on gumtree because i knew that that was a thing that happened um <laughs> and that's where my journey started and this guy contacted me saying well i actually am not calling you about knickers i want to drink your piss because i see a dominatrix and she wants me to drink her piss but i've never done it before and i was like listen 
you know you can just say that you've got a pee fetish and I'll just piss in a jar for you yeah and give it to you or sell it to you or whatever and he was like no 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 this is like a thing I you know and so I was like well that's interesting because I found out about dominatrices recently and you know I think I might be quite a good one and so we met up um and you know he looked at me and went oh you're too you're too sweet and innocent I I don't think you're right for this and I was like just give me a try yeah, you have um, no idea <laughs> yeah and um so anyway so he ended up training me up a little bit which meant which essentially meant him paying me not much money but for me at the time as a chef it was a lot of money um to do things to him that he'd allow me to like practice and try out with a bit of feedback yeah. um and you know, he helped me start my adult work profile and we were going through all the fetishes and he said, you know, just go on this Clips for Sale site and look at all the different fetishes and just make a list of the things that you think you'd be okay with and the things that you wouldn't be okay with. And then he said, and there's this one that you won't find on Clips for Sale, um, but that is really, really, really popular and there aren't many young, pretty English girls who do it. I said, what's that? And he said, well, it's hard sports, which is shitting on people, making making money eat your shit. <laughs> I instantly went, oh, that'd be easy. Um, really? Oh, so you went, yeah, okay. Because I was curious about what, what your initial reaction to it was. Yeah, I was so just you, like, oh, I could you're not famous. do that. I've been shitting in front of people since I was a kid. I'm country girl. <laughs> you know, we just go out in the fields as kids. And if one of us needed a dump, you just crouch down and yeah. go for a dump and wipe your ass with some grass at one with nature no I like absolutely. it absolutely and yeah sure enough it was really easy for me you know my first I think my third session was a scat session and I turned up at this guy's house and he'd laid out bin bags he'd neatly put down with duct tape it was like perfect big square took up his whole living room floor um and I had no idea what to do you know I hadn't really researched the fetish I just knew right he wants me to shit on him uh, well, he wanted to eat my shit. Um, so I thought, right, I must, I guess I must feed it to him, you know, so I guess I'll spoon feed him. Because um, oh you're gosh. feeding someone, but it must be like with a spoon, right? So I shat in a bowl and I put some milk in it. Oh my gosh. Like, so how, like, how did you like, like did, did you like drink coffee to make, because obviously you've got to perform, it's like a guy oh, taking Viagra almost, isn't it? I've got a really good bowel. So at the okay. beginning, I high fiber lucked out um and ended up you know being able to go for poos when I had my sessions booked but then quickly I realized okay I need I need to do this rhythmically so now it's like Mm -hmm. first poo of the morning because I poo about three times a day I've got a really good system Mm -hmm. um and it was like right first poo of the morning is the only one that's 100% reliable that I know when it's going to be so I only do morning sessions because like that I can guarantee that I will deliver mm. yeah because I, I was thinking of it almost in a comparable way to a guy taking Viagra for a session yeah. but you know or some yeah whatever people do they're like you're unique like how to make mm. sure you're going to perform <laughs> well, I take care of my gut you know I mean I take probiotics I take prebiotics I take fiber pills yeah. um and on top of that I if I've got a poo session I'm going to eat a lot for two days before Mm-hmm. Um, to make sure that I deliver a you know proper cow pat. Yeah, a cow pat. Oh my god, <laughs> that was my prison name. <laughs> that one comes. Has you been in prison? Oh gosh, I, I, I know. Gosh, can you imagine? Everyone <laughs> says to me I'd enjoy it too much. I'm like, I think maybe. It, yeah, <laughs> in a movie. You're holding the soap, look someone in the eyes, and just like drop it while Oops. holding eye contact. <laughs> I can see it happen. I accidentally freshly Very. shaved as well. 
sorry, <laughs> Sadumi. So again, I won't like I won't dance, I won't talk about the poo thing for too much. I think that's oh, too. I mean, it's up to your yeah. listeners, you know. But I'm yeah. I'm so comfortable with it, and I'm a big, big, big militant for destigmatizing things like this yeah. because it's so common. It is so so common. You know a shit eater. Every one of you listening, believe it or not, you know at least one shit eater. I can yeah. guarantee it. I wonder who it is. Called one. <laughs> 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 well, we all like we all rim people, and we all put our faces down in people's lives. So there's going to be, a, I don't know, it's going to be a bacterial trail of some sort, I imagine. So is there is there like is there been an area of extreme or taboo kink that you've been asked to, to get involved with that you've absolutely said no to, and do you have any like in limits? Um, yeah, but I yeah, guess I, I guess it's quite a broad, broad question, but like, is there anything I'm... particular that really kind of go, oh no, 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 that's not for me um let's see just thinking about it so um things that i mean it's interesting because there's so there's one that i i find very arousing but i would never do for ethical reasons Mm -hmm. which is castration okay i i mean you know i really enjoy watching like castration porn um where it's like the guy is like fucking the woman for like the last time and he's about to be castrated I've even written stories about that um oh my gosh. you know I, I find I find that very very arousing um but I would never do it for ethical reasons um I'm not particularly keen on adult baby um but that doesn't have to do with adult baby itself it's more because I I'm a highly empathetic person um yeah. and I think a lot of adult baby stuff comes from trauma um and I just it just hurts me because with adult baby the trauma is really on the surface okay. and it yeah. just hurts me I'll just I'll just leave a session you know I've done everything to make someone really have a great time and then I'll just want to cry because I'll just be like I, I feel so sad for the things that, that person's probably suffered yeah because I guess do you like find yourself psychoanalyzing clients like yeah, yeah, their request. yeah because that they must be they don't realize that I do it but you know yeah, inside, no, I, like, yeah because you, you have a very uh, even when we, we I mean for people listening to this who don't know you should know we we filmed for a channel five show last August didn't we which yeah. which which aired in November which is called channel Inside. Four. was it channel four channel five channel five I will crop that out. We won't. I can't remember. Um, but you have a very strong persona, very like. So I don't think that your facade would fall. Mm. But like I guess it might. It must be like sometimes it must quite like hit you in the heartstrings, and you've got to keep up this front. Because I guess once you've done it for a certain amount of time, you, you know how to psychoanalyze people correctly. Because you mm. kind of know, know what to relate it to and where that came from, perhaps. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it helps that I've I myself um have been you know gone through four years of psychoanalysis yeah um so that taught me a lot about psychology itself and I did it kind of side by side with my journey as a as a dominatrix um but yeah I mean you know part of what makes me a good mistress is the fact that you know I I talk with someone and I see them in play and I email with them and all these things and I'm just building up a mental map of them yeah and that's what makes me able to push their buttons, you know, and to take them very close to the edge. Like I, you know, speaking of safe words, so I, I very rarely use safe words now, um, because really I, 
I don't like pushing someone to the point where they use the safe word because for me that's too far. But what I really like doing. I'm glad you I said like that because I always someone, that. I like taking someone to the point where they're really starting to think whether they should say their safe word. But that's the magic of your job, isn't it? Your career, you know where that point is. Because you do it so often. Yeah. You can see it in people's <laughs> eyes. But you know, the first, oh, my first two years were dreadful because it was like. Oh my God, did I go too far? Oh my God, oh my God. Because you can't read people yet. You don't understand how to read this pain is pleasure or suffering is pleasure thing. Yeah. Right? It's like, you just see the suffering. Alice, this is why I'm fascinated. See, I could talk about this for hours. I could literally, so what has been, so that your career so far, like seven years, what has been the, the proudest moment for you? Like, is it a session? Is it an achievement? Is it like a, like a, a point that you, like a, you've been doing it for five years or you've made a certain amount of money or is there just, is there one thing that stands out for you as your proudest moment? Um, da, 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 proudest moment. Um, oh God, that's such a difficult question. Uh, only because I'm I, so humble. Um, no, I thought yeah. it would be, but I just, I'm really interested uh, to know. Give, yeah. give me a second. Give me a second. Um, well, I haven't won any awards yet, so I can't. I can't be like, oh yes, here's my sexual freedom award. I'm so proud. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'd say, I'd say, I don't know. My no, do you know? I know exactly when my proudest moment was, and it's a weird one. Okay. It's a weird. I like one. weird. That works. Okay, for me. so when um when I when I had my in 2015, I had a whole press scandal with my neighbours calling. Uh, I was going to ask you that police on me and the press on me and everything and you know it was it was a horrifically traumatic time of my life and it ruined my life for several months for a year you know no one came to see me for work because obviously why would you go and see someone about something you're really embarrassed about when they've been in the press yeah because I was going to ask you this following her stuff Um, we must must have done like horrific things for discretion and it was it was just so bad and it just uplifted my life but what what upended my life sorry Uh, but one thing that happened was um i knew i was going to be out of money for a long time so i agreed to do um a a big piece for um the mail on saturday so in the mail of saturday they've got a magazine and every saturday in that magazine there's a big like centerpiece it's like a 12 page long interview with photos of a person who's been in the news that week who's like a central figure in the news or whatever and it was me that week and so this lovely lady who was like in her 50s a bit of a hippie you know Murano glass pendant and everything fabulous comes in and just spends the whole day with me chatting and you know interviewing me and she wrote this amazing, amazing, amazing piece um, about um, me. So, so, so the mail didn't spin it. It was positive. It was really, really positive. Wow, right? Okay, and but that's that surprises me, and I'm very impressed. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can find it online. You can you can look for it and find I, it online. I've seen the photo shoot. You and the white background. You've got the bob. Yeah, that's that's probably it. So if yeah. it's if it's one where I'm like posing um well I, I don't know I'll send it to you anyway yeah I'd love uh, to see it. Um, and I'll share it with all the listeners as well yeah for people listening but, so that woman interviewed me and then we did a photo shoot and you know the article came out and after the article came out I thought well I'll, I'll read what else she's written about other people and I started yeah. reading her articles and she was 
slating people. I mean, she was ripping people to shreds. This woman was merciless. And she just wrote these, these pieces. I knew, about I knew the Daily Mail would be in there somewhere. <laughs> there. But she just, yeah. you know, like character destruction. Yeah. But I'd made an impression something about me and what I said had taken this woman, had made this woman who normally was just write absolutely nasty, nasty, nasty pieces about people and made her write an incredibly positive article. It was almost like the how to make friends and influence people. I don't you, know. I don't you did, know it. Was, you did it without meaning to. But it was just, that made me feel like Re that that really that was my proudest moment i mean i totally get it for daily mail that's i thought you were about to say that she absolutely massacred you and i was like oh, i couldn't find that on the internet before because everything i'd seen is quite positive yeah and i saw stuff you in daily star quite recently like about quarantine oh yeah so that's my that's my friend michael moran who nice. is an awesome awesome reporter and his whole ethos is i will only talk about nice things he nice. refuses to be a reporter who reports on uh, negative stuff in life because there's too much of that. Yeah. So he just does happy news, which I absolutely love. No, I love it, especially in this like time because I think everyone's mental health is uh, strange. Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of my friends are really struggling, especially a few of my adult work, obviously because their income has now been compromised yeah. quite dramatically. Um, how are you? How are you coping with that? I, I'm okay. I mean, I'm. I'm not earning as much as I normally would because obviously I'm in the middle of a transition to a new form of income. Yeah. Um, but I am making rent. Good. That's all. Um, I was struggling I was... a bit, struggling a little bit with the fact that I'm having to repay the animal hospital who I owe like two thousand pounds, and they're like, right, you've got to pay it in two times. So I'm like, <laughs> this month Jesus. and next month. But uh, yeah. apart from that, I'll be yeah. So I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm Good. you know I'm very grateful that I'm. I feel like I'm in a really privileged situation right now. I've got a garden. Um, I've got a nice home. I don't have any children and I'm earning enough to survive. Good. No, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Because that was mm. that, of all my friends, so there's some fabulous stories, some like wiring ones. So we've all, but again, that, that's a great part of adult work is sharing each other's content and promoting one another, which femdoms are obviously now doing. I see it all day on my timeline. So I'm like, oh, she's cool. I like her. <laughs> I'm such a fanboy, it's ridiculous. Oh, do you have any favourites? You and uh, and Madame Caramel. Oh, she's my best friend. You know that. She's she's I just I just I don't know. It's 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 me. It's just like big person. I just love it. I love I it. I love my phone as mum, and then in between brackets, boobs. <laughs> she's fabulous. She's fabulous. And she's re she's retweeted a few of my things as well. And I thought that was quite. Yeah, I well, think maybe there's. Yeah, no, I'd love to. Her, so, Uni, and Rebecca Moore. Oh my God, that would be. Oh my God. <gasps> that 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 poor restaurant manager. Can you imagine? Jesus. So what is next for Mistress Evelyn? Um, to be honest, getting OnlyFans really going. That's yeah. that's my number one priority right now. Um, and that's what I'm going to be concentrating everything on. I, I am ready, you know, I've, it's interesting because I saw an article today about um, how Google and other big companies are, have uh, told their staff that they're working on home, from home for at least the next year, you know, um, which is something, you know, when everyone else is trying to get back to work as fast as possible. Yeah. And this is, this it's is kind boring, of how, isn't it? when this, 
yeah, when this started, I knew instantly this was going to be really, really bad. And, you know, before before we even had lockdown, that's why I started my lockdown a week before, you know, I went to the shops, I bought all my essentials before anyone else was doing it. And I was like, you know, I've, I've, I've been primed for the zombie apocalypse since I was a teenager. Yeah. I was one of those kids who would plot what would we do in a zombie apocalypse with their friends. <laughs> um, so it was like, this, yeah. is it. this is happening. I am ready. I am ready. Um, burn arrow. <laughs> oh, yeah. But toilet roll. So, so I. I instantly when that happened, I was like, OK, I am preparing myself to work from home for at least the next year. And that means no sessions, no real time meets with people for at least the next year. And I was going on groups with other girls and, you know, saying to them, like, guys, you need to switch your marketing strategy now. This is for the long term. You know, and I was I was going and telling people this is long term. This is this is not a blip. You know, anyone, anyone who does not rely on online, you need to set up an online presence now because that is going to become your main source of income unless you want to change job. Yeah, mm. that's smart. I'm glad you did it because it's, it's like I said, all my adult working friends, it's all the same. It's people are yeah. suddenly realizing that this was all, you know, it's uh, it's unprecedented, isn't it? We just have no idea. And, mm. all of, and all of these people, everyone seems to be so lost. Yeah. And I just, you know, I, I, I would probably not get particularly ill from it. I'm not high risk or anything like that, but I don't want to be part of the problem. Yeah, no, I understand. I'm the same. Like I, touch wood I don't want to tempt fate I feel like my health is good but I don't want to contribute to someone else because that's what would bother me like I haven't seen my parents now who live only half an hour drive from me mm. because I if god forbid I bought something there I would just that would that would sit with me for the rest of my life like so yeah. I'd, rather, I'd rather take care of myself keep myself in my own little bubble until we know exactly what's going on and so anyway I want to try and think of something more positive it's like we so we did touch on earlier so for Cop. people that's Fuck, my favourite topic. What <laughs> what is the um the femdom ball? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are a fan of yours. What is the femdom ball? Because I want to go. <laughs> well, you have to dress up as a girl, and and otherwise, or you have to act as a proper slave. Okay, so the okay. femdom ball is an amazing, amazing event. It's it's unique. Um, it's a proper gala event where all the ladies dress up in ball gowns. All the gents dress up in suits or kilts. Uh, we've got a few. We've got a few slaves who dress up in full proper, you know, sexy Scottish regalia with no unders, which is quite nice with the yeah. knee-high socks and everything. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a gala event where we have a little sit-down bit at the beginning. We have canapes. We have a few shows, and then. Um, everyone just sort of mills around and gets to know each other and chats and so it's it's kind of you could kind i i i see it as um the female freemasons oh i like that it's this amazing magical event where you just you just got so many strong independent women dominatrices both professional and lifestyle all together, and there's about you know 180 women who are from all around the world, and who are just supporting each other and getting to know each other, and you know, really 
networking and and you really feel a magic energy in the room and what makes it really special is that it's all about the women so uh, you know a lot of femdom events are run by men for men so it's about mm -hmm. the sexual satisfaction of the men who go there the femdom ball is not the femdom ball is true it's a celebration of what we call female supremacy and um so any man who goes there whether he's dominant or not has to accept the rules which is that you have to be dressed simply in black for the first hour you have to wear a hood you are not allowed to speak unless spoken to you're not allowed to make eye contact with anyone um you can only eat food if it's given to you by your mistress um you can only go accompanying a mistress you can't go alone um and if you want to drink you're not allowed to drink in the same room as all the ladies you have to go off into the bar room oh my gosh i love it i love it i love this whole thing like women taking control and so it's you know it's really interesting because you you normally at kink events you know men are such a present part of it and even submissive men are brought up with male privilege so they don't realize it but you know they kind of dominate the conversations they make it all about them blah blah and here you've just they're wallpaper i love it i love this it's amazing it's really 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 amazing because oh yes victor i know Oh, hi, Victor. What an amazing name. Yeah, he's got, he's got a few words to say about it, haven't you? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Victor was ready to jump in that conversation. Yeah, exactly. No, n yeah, I know. No balls, Victor. No balls. <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Mm. <laughs> he's very talkative. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's just this magic event that feels, you know... and. I used to joke, I used to kind of joke that, you know, it was um, lots of ladies, lots of dominant women getting dressed up in fancy dresses and getting drunk together in a fancier venue. Um, but last year, there was something different. Last year, it, it grew into something else and you could feel something in the air. It was like a prickly magic in the air. And it, it, it suddenly hit me about halfway through the evening that this, this is exactly the kind of thing that scares men and that would have caused witch hunts years ago yeah oh gosh i didn't think it's funny you mentioned that there was a documentary came on my youtube automatically a few nights ago when i was really drunk and it was mm. a, about witchcraft like so funny you mentioned that because i've saved it to watch it mm. so I'll watch, I'll watch it after this but yeah this you know this idea that that lots of women who are independent you know they, they're not they're not reliant dependent on men they are you know women who are into femdom are often just really different from other women you know you we're not trying to fit in we're not trying to live our life by the rules that have been set out by society in fact we a lot of us are totally breaking free from that you know we're loud outspoken you know most most doms have really extreme vestimentary styles of any different type but you know we don't we don't fit in into crowds um <laughs> you know and and so this many women who are like that all brought together is 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 a powerful thing i love it girl power yeah for real yeah of course i have to bring the fucking spice girls into it don't i jeez yeah, you know what that just made me want them to come <laughs> they should maybe we should set make them honorary guests next year that would be amazing okay so let's end this on that very positive note 
I love I know I love where that ended it's so like lovely and I hope that people yeah. listening to this and um, were inspired by it and because what I wanted to do is when I tell people about my perceptions like my early days of the femdoms for me it's hard for me to articulate what it's like to communicate like that mm-hmm. because I experienced it so one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you and you're the first femdom I've ever interviewed Ooh. is because it was true because I wanted to get that across and I think it was such a um a turning point in my understanding of sex education which obviously then mm-hmm. shaped my life and my career and I just really wanted the people to listen to it and hear someone articulate themselves rather than just being a novelty or you know yeah. like known as Madame Whiplash you know whatever <laughs> which is which is a fabulous name but you know what I mean it's not the same so for the people listening to this where can they find you on OnlyFans and on social media what so, are your handles yeah the best way to find me is to google Mistress Evelyn I come up, you know, there we go. Evelyn written E-V-I-L, evil, Y-N-E. Um, and, yeah, you will find everything. You will find my Twitter and my website. My website is really, really complete. I write a lot of blogs, um, a lot of blogs about um, kind of kink education and also a lot of blogs um, um, just erotica. I love writing kinky erotica. Amazing. So, yeah, and written from a femdom perspective, not from a slave's perspective, which is very different because most femdom erotica is written from the slave's perspective. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and yeah, and also you know, don't if you have questions, don't hesitate to contact me. Um, Twitter is a good place to do it. You know, I I'm all about sharing the love and sharing the knowledge. Amazing, and sign up to the OnlyFans. Definitely sign up to the OnlyFans. Yeah, you you. It's Ms. Um, Ms. Evelyn. Curvy bastards. Sign up for my OnlyFans. It's Ms. Evelyn, all in one word. Perfect. Okay. Thank you so much, Evelyn. And I'll see you for our lunch with Caramel and Rebecca Moore. And oh my God, can you imagine that? Yeah. You see, that will be epic. We will be reopening England. We should film it. I'll I'll bring my I'll bring my um my ring light stand. We'll film it. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. All right. Cool. Thank you so much for talking with me. I I appreciate it so much. Take care, lots of love. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That was the iconic Mistress Evelyn. For those of you that are sexually curious about her, she is a goddess. You can visit her OnlyFans, um, onlyfans.com forward slash Ms. Evelyn. And yeah, so now you know what I mean about who is the shit eater that you know, because it is all that I've been thinking about. And all I'm thinking is I hope they brush their teeth. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. I hope they floss. I don't know, I'm so squeamish. I've got no toilet humour whatsoever. I I just, I'm so British like that. Anyway, I wanted to end on a positive note. I wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're well. I hope your family's well. Um, If you are feeling the temptation to go and have sex, please don't do it. I have written a few guides. Um, If you visit my website, I've got a guide called Cock Blocked by Coronavirus. And I've also done a string of diaries for GMFA, which is the Gay Men's Health Charity. They're available online. If you need to find them, just ask me. But yeah, I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. And I hope you're staying indoors. And I hope you're socially distanced. And I hope you're having loads of good orgasms. Anyway, I will speak to you on the next episode of Sex with Tofa. Take care. Oh, yeah.